Hey everybody, this is Chiefs beat writer Brooke Pryor, and on today's episode of Sports Beat KC, we break down the injuries for the Chiefs, the IR situation, the offensive line, and we preview a little bit of the Chiefs Broncos game for Sunday. And I have a conversation with Denver Post Broncos writer Kyle Fredrickson. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. We are live at Arrowhead Stadium in the Chiefs practice facility. It's Thursday, October 25th. Uh, you're joined by three of your lovely, most favorite Chiefs beat reporters for the KC Star. I've got columnist Vahe Gregorian on my left, beat writer Lynn Worthy on my right. I can't talk today. I'm Brooke Pryor. Um, I'm struggling. That's why I have Raise a cup of coffee. Yeah, that's just oh. okay. <clears throat> I said I was ready, and I don't know that I really was. Um, but now I'm ready. Yeah. Now I'm ready to go. I don't even need this coffee. Uh, <laughs> we are here to talk to you guys about some things that we've learned since the last time we chatted with y'all on Facebook Live. That was an early morning Facebook Live. The Chiefs had just routed the Bengals 45-10. to 10. Um, We leave that game with the news that Terrence Smith has a hamstring, or has a a knee strain, hamstring strain. There was was a strain in his leg, and that's all we knew. Um, But since then, we've had some interesting developments. I believe it was, what, Tuesday afternoon. We talked to Andy Reid on Monday. He said they're still evaluating Terrence Smith. Tuesday, news comes out. Terrence Smith headed to IR. Even more surprisingly, Jordan Devy, who had not been mentioned, is injured. He played... Almost, I believe, the entire game. I think he, he posted 100%, uh, played all the offensive snaps. He's also on IR. Um, so that was kind of shocking. Well, it was especially shocking when he, when he actually lost his arm. I mean, he, was, he played with one arm the whole game. <laughs> he still has the arm. I know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we need to clarify. <laughs> it's just some Andy Reid humor. I, 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 that, uh, I, I, I was going to say, because there, there, there is somebody on the sideline who doesn't have an arm. And, and uh, he would be in here uh, laughing over he that. Would, but, yeah. but, but really, I mean, this was a bad arm injury, and he, and he kept playing, and he did it early. Yeah, and, uh, first quarter. Was, yeah, we, got cleated. Got Isn't cleated, that what it, I think so. I it, mean, I can't imagine tearing. He, he So he tore his, was it his right pec? Yeah. He has, he is having surgery or already had, I think he had surgery today. Yes, I it believe. was scheduled yes. for today. Yes, it was scheduled happened, for today, um, which I think tearing a muscle is painful, period. But to tear it because someone stepped on you and it, you know, jerked you the wrong way and everything in the first quarter. Well, look, it's, and, and, and Blair Kirkhoff wrote about this for, for the paper today and, and yesterday, KansasCity.com. It, it is really extra testimony to what a great job this offensive line did the other day. And, and, but it's also sort of a statement to the, the whole status of what's going on with the line. I mean, here's a guy who wasn't even playing a couple weeks ago, playing the whole game with a, a severe injury. and Season-ending injury. Season-ending injury. And what uh, I guess it was two sacks on Mahomes for like five yards – um, one of them, Patrick stepped right into. I, I can't remember what the other one was, but but again, by and large, the combination of Patrick's uh, ability to get rid of the ball, his maneuverability, his creativity outside the pocket, which I think is something you're going to be getting to write about, Lynn. Um, all that has worked in a, in a remarkable way with the offensive line that is kind of tattered. Yeah, and just being able to plug different people in, 
You know, I mean, because we went from, you know, it was, it was Morse who was out, then you had, uh, obviously, well, LDT was out, then Morse was out. So you've seen Wiley, um, and I'm blanking on um, Wiley and... Debbie. Debbie, yes. Debbie, yeah. Both step in, um, and, you know, and now we may see, you know, it's a possibility maybe Allen gets in there. We're not really sure where they're going to go with that, depending, because Morse has still been out of practice. Um, but they've took plus plug different people in. Is the thought it's Cam uh, Irving at center now? Is that the idea? I think that's or the question. Is it going to be Cam <laughs> Irving? Is it going to be Austin Reader, Ryder, however you say his name? Or is it going to be Eric Bieniemy? Because he told us today, <laughs> we've been trying everyone at center. We're rolling everybody in. We're even rolling in me. And that I don't, I think he said it to, to joke, but as, as a couple people retweeted me and said, well, that's comforting. You know, uh, this is hilarious, but also you need a real center. You know, you've just made me think of this for the first time. A guy near and dear to us, James Winchester, he's the deep snapper. But it, that has no relationship at all to being a, a, a regular center, does it? Nope. No. <laughs> so he's not, he's not like their emergency was, center. No. And No, but I had never thought of that. Now I'm no. curious. I mean, he's a big um, guy. Maybe they just need Patrick to stand back a little farther. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same motion, just take a little yeah, off of it. Go. Just take a little off of James, oh. yeah. Also no. block. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just come yeah. up and... Yeah. Don't go right. Off. Don't go straight uh, down the field. Right. Um, yeah. But it seemed like well, they were. But anyway, it's an intriguing question. Yeah. Yeah. They were decidedly non-committal on who was going to play center, and they weren't really trying to give anything away. Because, I mean, and even Andy Heck was in. You know, because we had assistant coaches available today, um, talking about the offensive line, and you know, um, you, if we go back to camp, remember Cam Irving was the center because Morse got the late start. Cam Irving was right. the first one out there. Um, but so far, with the injuries they've had, they've been able to keep that left side together with uh, Fisher and Cam Irving. So they've kept that continuity. And Heck didn't say that that was something that they necessarily had to keep. He said that they basically talked about every option. Him and, and Andy Reid had talked about every option. And, um, but they hadn't, you know, if they've settled on something, they ha they're not giving it away. Yeah. Because Cam seems like he, you know, he could be likely there. Or they could decide, we've got these two stable You've got Mitch Schwartz stable at the right tackle, and he sort of is able to help with whoever's at the right guard. And maybe they just say, okay, we'll fill, fill in that one spot. And obviously Jeff Allen's here now too, so there's no, so, no, no answer, but there's plenty of Eric options. Eric yeah. is the answer. Yes, yeah. Eric Bianami is the other option. You know. and, but I, I think that the interesting thing will be to see how they kind of handle this attrition. They had a similar situation last year, right? Weren't there quite a few injuries on that offensive line? There were. There were. And, and look, they, they uh, I don't know if you call it, it's not spackling exactly, but they, they as Andy says, next man up, you, you, just, you just figure out a way. And, and you know, yeah, you're naturally going to expect some drop-off, both because of guys not being the guys who won the jobs in the first place and because we assume that, Chemistry and playing together has something to do with their success. Although, as as Blair noted in his story today, um, they had some success with you know a, a group that hadn't really played together this way before. So, so we'll just see. I, I guess what we've seen so far is enough is enough to tell you that they can still make it work, even if it's not the guys they started off with. And um, <laughs> we, we we still assume the sky's the limit with. Patrick Mahomes and his his uh, merry crew out there. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. And the the other, sorry to cut you off. Do you have no, anything else to it. say that, about that the offensive line? That was a good one to leave it at. Period. Uh, the yeah. end. Um, well, the other injury, Terrence Smith, we didn't know how serious yeah. it was. Um, it seemed like it was being downplayed a little bit. 
we find out later it's a torn ACL with some other structural damage. So he is, they're having conversations about who's going to do that surgery, but, I mean, he's done for the year. You don't, you're not going to come back from an ACL that quickly, at least in most cases, um, which then kind of moves Dorian O'Daniel into playing a little bit more. Um, and we heard today from, I believe it was Mark DeLeon, the inside linebacker coach, that the plan all along was to put him in more in this game, even before Terrence Smith's injury. Dorian comes in before the injury, obviously more afterward, and looked like he played really well. And when you talked to him earlier this week, what did he have to say about that that whole game? Well, and yeah, they had been increasing his playing time, and he, he really just talked about the idea that, like, obviously he didn't want the opportunity to come this way, but he's been waiting for his chance, and he's just really pumped that he's going to, you know, like, he, now he knows he's going to be playing regularly. I mean, I think, let's see, actually, I got it in front of me. I was <laughs> trying to remember off the top of my head. He played, on what was it, 25 snaps, yeah. and I think he's played defensive snaps. I think he's played, like, 35 for the season, so including this game. So that's, I mean, he's played way more than he had, you know, all season, and they've been slowly increasing it. But now he's, you know, he's going to be out there regularly. He knows he's going to be out there as sort of that passing down linebacker. Um, he made some plays in the run game. He made some plays, you know, big stop on a screen pass. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, and he's for a pass, you know, um, pass coverage linebacker. He's coming up and hitting people, you know. And so um, for him, he just. He felt like he just needed to learn the defense, and then once he got to learn the defense, now he just needed the opportunity and it's sort of coming, you know, coming together week you know, seven. So he's still got a whole bunch of season now to sort of show what he can do. Here's the question. How much will his development take away from Reggie Ragland's snaps, if at all? Will it even impact it? I don't know if it takes away from it. I mean, they already were taken away from Reggie's snaps because they right. weren't. They were trying. I mean, Reggie was out there, you know, first, second down, run down. What was Reggie's playtime percentage out there? Reggie, what was his? The last game, he was out there for 47% of the snaps. Okay. So, and depending on the team, I mean, like, I would expect he might be out there a little bit more this week just because. Based off of last time, Denver was one of those teams that used a fullback and would go with, you know, run formations. And so Reggie's probably going to be out there for that. But when it comes to the pass downs, um, you'll see more of Dorian O'Daniel. You'll probably see uh, – the other thing you'll see is Jordan Lucas um, played. And not sure how much it will be in this game against Denver. But when you got teams that try and spread you out, throw a ball on it, uh, Lucas is another guy that plays almost like a linebacker, plays the same sort of thing that Dorian does where they'll put him out there as a linebacker in past situations um, because he can move around. And now you're getting Eric Murray was back last game, so you saw the two of them on the field at the same time. You know, maybe some a couple weeks down the line, Sorensen. So all of a sudden the defense has more options than they had, you know, all season basically. And I, I have felt encouraged, I really felt encouraged by, now I'm sure there was some, Gaps in his game, so to speak, but I felt really encouraged by what I saw of Dorian Daniel in the game, and and I and, and I think Jordan's been good, and I I I've wondered, I think you guys have kept a a, a tighter eye on this in some ways, but, but what do you think about where Breland speaks is? It, it seems to me there's there's been some progress there, and we, we heard a little bit about today as we talked to assistant coaches about the reasons why things can, you know, maybe be a little plateaued for a while, but mm -hmm. then. Then you can have you can get a burst. A burst, yeah. Did, did you have you guys felt like that? I, I mean, maybe I'm being Mr. No, uh, I think Mr. that I think that's fair. By the way, before we start talking about um, Breland, Lucas Trzinski has I hope I said that right has a uh, Pro Football Focus subscription and let us know that Dorian O'Daniel graded at 83.0, which is top 15 for linebackers, very highly graded in coverage. Yep. 
so, which I believe. So our instincts were correct. They were. Yeah. Thank you for giving but us that for information. I'm all about affirmation. Um, but yeah, so Breland Speaks, you've kind of been on the Breland Speaks beat since, uh, <laughs> since training camp. This is in your wheelhouse. What do you, what were you seeing from Breland Speaks and what sense did you get from, from the coaches today? The, the sense today, particularly from the coaches, was that he's starting to be more comfortable, not just on the field, but in terms of what he's seeing, identifying things. Like, um, and I think for him, because it's been sort of like stages. During the preseason, he got to a certain point, or even during camp, he got to a certain point where he's comfortable. And then you had to get to that point again through the preseason when you start actually playing in games. And then it sort of started again once the regular season, and he was having limited time. Um, and it sounds like he's getting to that point now where he recognizes what he's, what's going on on the field. He sees what the offenses are doing, not just knowing his assignment, but you know, being able to adjust on the fly. And ideally, that helps him to play faster because he's not thinking as much. We'll see how that plays out. But I think he's more comfortable. Um, he's getting more reps. I mean, he's played a lot more than he had, you know, obviously, early in the season. And so I think... I don't know if I've seen a big leap. I think that that would be probably be a stretch. Yeah, but I we think haven't you seen the see, burst yet. Right? Yeah, yeah, you see some progress, and it sounds like at least mentally there's progress there, and that's probably going to lead to that big leap if we see it. I appreciated uh, Mike Smith. Was that who it was? Yes. I, I appreciated how coach. specific he was about the sorts of things you might look at as the indicators of, and, and, and what it is that has to be learned. I think it's often we just think, well, you got to you got to see it more. You got to see it more. But but he, I thought, drilled in a little bit to some of the things that that uh, you can see adding up. And meanwhile, I cut off Brooke, who was going to introduce. I was going to say, the undercard's done. The main event is here. So we'll just oh, wow. leave, and we're going to make Sam have a one-man show. Green Blair? Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. We'll put Sam and Blair on either side, and uh, Facebook you guys see, can see go can at it. The middle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So, But, yes, for those of you who don't know, Sam Mellinger has graced us with his presence. Um, we were just chatting about uh, Breland Speaks. Do uh-huh. you have any thoughts on, on Breland Speaks? Uh, Particularly his development since uh, since having to come in for Justin Houston. I think he's come a long way, um, and and I give credit to our friend here, Lynn. Um, I feel like you were one of the first to, because he, he was pretty terrible in the beginning. Like, I mean, it, You're going to introduce him when he gets in the Hall of Fame. Like, like, Lynn I mean, Worthy introducing Breland Speaks. It seemed like he was getting his ass kicked like most snaps. frequently, yeah. Um, and that has changed um, in a significant way in the last I don't know four weeks ish. Three weeks, Probably, I think like four that. weeks would go back mm-hmm. to what? Uh, and, and he started to be effective. I still wonder, you know, if um, his long-term future, if, if next year they'll push him inside. I still wonder about that. Uh, he may be better suited there. No, I don't, you know, I don't know. But he's he's turned into an effective player. That whole draft class looks pretty good now. You Which know? was kind of interesting, right? It's been sort of the, the, the slow to develop a little yeah. bit. You Which feel like that, but it's but as it should be, right? Yeah. Or as it Especially normally without is. without a first-rounder. Yeah, without, yeah, yeah that's without, the most You get no first-rounder, and you get guys. I mean, I don't think anybody that they brought in was supposed to necessarily be, like, a big impact person right, right. away. Right. I mean... Uh, or maybe I mean, and you guys probably have a better sense. Was that what they were? I don't know. Was that they were, so. were they mean, selling that when they when I mean, they drafted these guys? He was supposed to be like an immediate, at least like piece that they could yeah. use in a real way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he started um, the last few weeks. I mean, but beyond that, um, look, that injury to Armani Watts. Like we we've been talking about the safety position a lot the last couple of weeks. That's a real bummer. And you guys get hurt. That's what they do in the NFL. But he was really starting to come along right when that injury happened. And I don't know if, do you count, like, Lucas as part of this draft class or not? I don't, I don't know. I, I think know you almost do, just because of when he was added. I yeah. mean, 
it's his third year in the league, so it doesn't yeah, quite no, count. But you know, yeah, they, like, yeah. It's just, I don't know. But but uh, uh, Naughty, they're getting stuff out of. Uh, Speaks is really coming along. Watts shows some promise that he can be, you know, a part of the future. Trey Smith. Trey Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, again, like a kind of a developmental guy. Obviously, he had the the big return New England game. Yep. Is that what it was? Um, you know, they're they're getting some. You know, some, some production out of a draft class that did not have a first round pick. I think that's a really good sign, especially when you think about you know next year and now you've got not just the first, but you've got an extra second. And look, they're going to be late. You know, that first round pick is going to be 27, right. 28, 29, 30, You know, somewhere somewhere late in the round. Um, and actually, the other second is too because that's going to be the Rams pick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to be <laughs> you know drafting late in 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 both of those rounds. But there's supposed to be some defensive help. You know, I think they're going to target uh, some defensive backs, probably a corner. Um, I hear, like, you know, I, I couldn't tell you literally, like, one name of, of the first three that people will be drafting, but um, it's supposed to be one of the deepest defensive line drafts um, in years. The Chiefs mm-hmm. could use some help there, especially with Al- Alan Bailey's, a, you know, unrestricted free agent. Um, Chris Jones, they've got another year with. They'll probably try and, you know, do an extension with him. My, my point is um, they can get some help pretty quickly uh, if they continue to hit on these draft picks. And uh, Jacob wants to know, I think it was, excuse me, Jesse. Do we Jesse get, Bates? Jesse Bates. It How is Jesse that? Bates. Look at that. Um, wants know. to know, do we get the sense that, it, that Houston is still a couple weeks away, related to some of these younger guys having to step in and play I, I, right away? Do we have any idea? I really have no instrumentation on he, this He hasn't practiced yeah. this week. He didn't yeah. practice at all last week. Is he getting better? Yeah, making every progress day, every day, literally day by day. <laughs> uh, well, I think the, the, I go back to the thing you said. I, I go back to when Andy first remarked on it, and he seemed to think, "Oh, you know, Andy plays it close to the vest." But even suggest daring to suggest he might miss a game was like a, you know, a big Andy secret revealed, yeah. and mm-hmm. it made me feel like we're talking three weeks a month. I mean, but. No. That's two weeks down, right? Was so this the second yeah. game? Second yes. game. Yes, he got hurt against New England. Yeah. And I'm they still have the two. No. They're still carrying the two extra the guys, before. right? Yeah. Say it again. I was saying, my, the indicator to me was the fact that they're still carrying the two outside guys. That they right. Had. So yeah, right. And Orchard, yeah. even though Orchard hasn't um, been active for a couple of these games. But yeah. the fact that they still have both of them means that, you know, that's insurance that basically because Houston's not going to be able yeah. to play. Well, that's point. perfect, too, because Jacob Calloway asks, how is Nate Orchard's progress in the defense coming along? And he was active the first game. He was active in New England. He wasn't active last week. I kind of get the sense that they're just keeping around, keeping him around, like you said, for insurance. And as soon as Houston comes back, he kind of seems like he's going to be the odd man out. Yeah, I mean, I, no, no way I really have a sense of that. I mean, it, it could be they see things in him that they, they would want to hold on to, but I don't know. Something's got to give. We'll, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I was trying to reload with my questions. Hey, um, I, I, while, while you were reloading, um, one topic near and dear to, to Brooke, just just like Breland speaks is to Lynn. Um, Where are we going? There's the cele- so many the, places. The celebrations. Oh, that yeah. We got a little insight today from Tyreek. We did. Because um, we're here to ask the tough questions. About the motive. Yep. Journalism. Hashtag. Um, what was the... Was why don't you take us through it? About his explanation for that. Yeah. Uh, so... Tyreek, for, for those of you guys who had already turned off the TV or had fallen asleep in your lazy boy um, by that point in the night, Tyreek scores, and he runs up to the official and just fake passes out in front of the official. Eric Fisher runs up to him and does some CPR, and then he, like, Undertaker-style, like, sits up and jumps up, backflips, and then starts running off the field, and it's, like, this whole production. 
So we find out afterwards, Eric Fisher says he just kind of improvised it, um, that he wasn't planning on doing that. Turns out the people who were supposed to do it were Demetrius and Travis Kelsey, Demetrius Harris and Travis Kelsey. And uh, both of them forgot or didn't want to do it anymore, and they just ran off the field. So Tyreek was almost just dead on the wow. field with nobody to help him out, and then Fisher stepped in. So um, you pick up your teammates, right? right? <laughs> he said he he was like, when I was lying there, I didn't. Know, I thought like Travis was the one doing CPR, yeah. and opened my eyes and like it's Eric Fisher. So uh, so the not, thing that's interesting to me there is that that there is they must have like time they put aside, right? I mean, I don't know if it's during real practice time or on their own. Probably Andy doesn't really allot them well, yeah, their own time. But they, <laughs> but they, but like, I was under the impression that, that the whole thing was spontaneous from the way Fish put it. Like, oh, I didn't even, you know, I just went over and uh, thought I'd do it. But I guess he had maybe seen the act performed and saw that his opportunity to yeah. fill the role is really what spontaneous happened. Spontaneous. Which, by the way, the whole thing was, I mean, how, how awesome would it have been if uh, Laurent was not... Uh, uh, was not hurt, and he was the guy doing it. That I mean, that would have been gold. I mean, this um, is—I feel like this is the first week that they've really had good touchdown celebrations. They, well, the, DBs well, the DBs had the tip drill. The DBs had the tip drill. Like, that's that's really kind of, strong. Yeah, that was that a was. strong. Which is what some of the guys said was their motivation. The offensive guys said they were like, "The DBs had a really good one a couple weeks ago. We had to one up it." That's right. Pick Listen, the game up, son. I thought uh, <laughs> Demetrius was fine. I'm pretty cool, right? Pretty, pretty good. Look, but I, just, I really like Tyreeks. Yeah, I'm still not sure. Was was but Harris what? like? Was that like a bunker that he was? Yeah, in? It was throw a foxhole through the ground. Yeah. I don't understand. Like the connection of a touchdown and the fox. Maybe I'm over. I don't know. Well, I we don't, don't need. We don't need the, the, the war imagery. I mean, I, I will say. You know, I, can we let's play hide and seek instead? I would have liked it better, right? Yeah, but that's already been done. Then he'd give me fun of for for ripping <laughs> off Zeke's celebration. So, but well, I'm look. I'm just happy that he didn't get hurt. Can you imagine what it what would have happened if he like didn't clear that little cutout area, the little like retaining wall or whatever? He had tripped, or who was the, what if there was, was nothing? What if, what if there was something in the bottom of it that he landed on? This or? is going to happen to somebody sometime. Hopefully not the home squad, but remember, like the one that I always think of. It's a little different than the the, the celebration of like that. But uh, K State's own Martin Gramatica, oh. right? Yeah. Didn't he tore it tear an ACL with that ridiculous jumping yeah, around he always around. did? Yeah, was it more? It was um, was it Martin or was it? Uh, oh, did, uh, did he have like a brother? Brother or something? Maybe um, for the Bucks, like Bill Gramatica. There's, I also think of um, Gus Farratt, uh, Morales hitting a walk-off home run, oh. and then he broke his leg. That was um, in it, celebration. Like, not just broke it. Happen. I mean, almost Shattered. ended his career. Yeah, Shattered, yeah, it jumping on home plate. Cost him money and time. Yeah, I mean that was. Um, that yeah. I don't know that we've seen. I'm sure there's an example, somebody like the, the Gramatica example, but you know, um, of a sort of choreographed. Choreographed one that leads to injury. To you know. What went wrong? To the DL. <laughs> Or whatever, uh, uh, would be a shame. It would. Maybe that's why they're keeping Pat out of the. Uh, yeah, you know, everybody's like move, enjoyed right? laughing at, at Pat trying to join in the dance, but I think they kept him out of it on purpose. You don't need <laughs> yeah. to know this stuff. Just <laughs> stay on the fringes, son. Go back to your bubble. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's really had to defend himself this week, yeah. though, for those dance moves. That was that was funny. Like, that was. <laughs> I was starting to catch on. And then they just yeah, left. That's right. That's right. He, said, I was about, he said, I was getting it. Yeah. Yeah. No, buddy, it's just not, yeah. not, not going to work. But somebody asked me in my Twitter questions this week, who would win in a dance-off, me or Patrick Mahomes? And I was like, Pat's got it. Like, I've, already, I've lost in a dance-off in my lifetime. Um, What's your, is it 0-1? Is your career record? Yes. Or and okay. I'm, I don't, I don't want to get to 500. Is I'm fine. Yes. Oh. It was an embarrassing, like, the, okay, here's a situation. 
we were at a Globetrotters game. One of like the, the Globetrotter helpers came up to me and said, hey, would you participate in like a pregame activity? And I was like, sure. Meanwhile, I'm sick. I have a cold. I really don't want to be there, but I'm being a good fiancé. We were going to go. My fiancé loves the Globetrotters. <laughs> I was like, I'll do this for him. And so they like usher me over to the side. They don't tell me what we're doing until we're all sitting there, and it's like me and a dad and a grandpa. And then they finally are like, all right, we're going to line you guys up on the court. And it's pregame, so like everybody's in their seat. Nobody's on the court. And they space us out, and they say, we're going to have a dance-off. And I was not ready for it. And so one guy, I forget what his song was, the grandpa, like, just tanked. He, nobody liked him. Mine was... Uh, Poor guy. I, he, just, he just didn't get it. He, like, did I a thought you were going to say that you lost the like, grandpa. That's what I thought you were going to say. Tough luck. Tough luck. Sucks to suck. Um, he was wearing jeans that were, had like white stitching, like contrast stitching on the side. He was like a stylish grandpa, but it was in it, anyway. That wasn't the point. Um, and then my song was "Single Ladies." <laughs> my song was "Single Ladies," and like you would think, I've done that dance a trillion times between high school and college, and I just blanked. So I just like cabbage patched it and jumped around and like. <laughs> Conged. Just, it was bad. It set you up for success. I know, and I just mm-hmm. just fell flat on my face. So the dad won? The dad won because his song was Jump On It, like the Apache Jump On It, and he killed it, and I just, I lost. So that's the non-football aside here about um, Patrick Mahomes would beat me in a dance-off, so now you guys don't have to read the Twitter Q&A because we just went down that path. Clearly, you, you need to get with the wide receiver group. <laughs> get, get with the wide receiver group. We just we lost saw them all our there viewers. Today, right? <laughs> Work with those guys that we saw out there today. The oh yeah, they. Uh, it was who was leading the line? Was it Tyreek and it then Josh Tyreke, Crockett and um, then Con- Demarcus Robinson, Demarcus Robinson, Chris Conley, and I thought it was, no, it wasn't Damian Williams. But yeah, they were all like, what would you call that? Like a, a exaggerated dance march? Yeah, I don't know exactly, <laughs> but it was it was it was all a little yeah. It was sort of like a march. They were all. Like it was on the, the same step. <laughs> it was like a, a drum major march because they were kind of like throwing it back a little bit. Well, maybe you've seen the early underpinnings of what might. Oh my gosh! What if we're ruining right. their touchdown celebration? Yeah, yeah. Oof. Oh gosh, that'd hey, be bad. Hey, I'm going to switch gears slightly on you on this, but not completely. Do you want to be the new host? No, <laughs> I, but I, but I, but I want I wanted, I wanted to go farther on on one thing, and, on and I, I really think I that, <laughs> no, just on Tyreek specifically though. I mean, honestly. I, I cannot think of a, a more exciting guy to watch and more fun to watch almost than I've ever seen in sports. I mean, I, I, I'd have to think hard about who that is. Sam, you, you know, you grew up with Bo Jackson here. That, that must have been unbelievable. But every single thing Tyreek does, you, you, you find yourself watching to the end of the play. One of the things about him, we've talked about this in the press box, but, like, he's obviously he's, he's the fastest guy in the league. But there's a way that he runs that makes it look like he's going even faster. Mm-hmm. Like he has his little feet. Yeah. I don't know if he takes like shorter strides or something. We need just a, a sports a science breakdown. Well, you know, we actually do. We, in fact, we should not talk about it. We, should, we need to do that. Um, so. well, they, do Let me just memory flash everybody. Did one, yeah. Remember they did one uh, um, like a year or two ago, and he, he was returning a punt, and there was like 40 kids on the field that were oh, trying to like grab yeah, his yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. It's, but it, it is. It's it's the and and you got a kick out of this. I remember and I did too. But um, talking about how he generates that speed, it turns out he's not flexible. 
like it's crazy. his high school track coach, that, that story we did. Mm -hmm. He Bye, broke that story. <laughs> broke the story. But it was fascinating. Like Tyreek can barely, barely touch his feet. He's not flexible. Oh, he can do it now. He says he can do it now. Oh, he says he's been working on it. All right. Well, we need to we need huh. proof in the locker room next time. But honestly, there is there is a scientific thing that's way beyond my scope that but to be done on on this that I I I, I really think we should explore. I think there's any scientists. Uh, say nobody has commented like on that. He's on just that. so he's just how a how I think of right? fast twitch. I mean, and, so he, he can't and that and that's Jerry Hill is his high school track yeah. coach's contention is that, and I don't I remember looking this up at the time, but I don't retain very well, but but. The way the nature of fast twitch muscles is, it, I suppose, I think, it's, you know, how many you have, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's it's a percentage of. I, I better stop because I'm, I'm wrong <laughs> at this point. But, but if I look it back up, it'll be right. Uh, I mean, I my guess, like just when I look at him, I just feel like the turnover is so fast. Like I mean, because there's either the, like the long stride, which I mean, he's a shorter guy, so the stride's only going to be but so long. But the turnover, like, and that's what I think makes it look that way too, is because. His, his knees just pump so fast and he just keeps turning it over that, like, you just look at him and he looks yeah. like he's going fast, you know? There's also no, like, there's straight line speed and then there's, like, sort of useful football stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like he, like, a lot of guys, if they're running around, like, if it, and then they get here, they got to slow down to turn. It seems like Tyreek just goes. Well, it, to your point, I think we've, we've looked at this and talked about this before. Like, he accelerates into cuts. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in game. fact, that first play last week, in a way, I don't know if we made enough of it or I, we did. We I think Blair wrote about it about right it away. We the, all uh, mentioned yeah. it. But even so, I really think I can't remember if it was six or seven cuts in like an eight-yard radius, <laughs> and each one he got faster from. And then he was running so low to the ground by the end, but still had his balance. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. It's. I mean, it is absolutely freakish. Yeah. He was juking people as he was like falling down. Yes. How do you do that? Between anyway, I, between him and then, well, you go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, as the speed demon, the, the, our resident right. speed demon, right. the one who, who <laughs> identifies with Tyreek. Well, you know, Your Breland's guy. I would never have brought it up if he had. Well, and I think that, sorry, I keep cutting everybody off. No, I'm just no not, you're the host, and we're coffee. running right over you. No, you're not. So. Um, what I was going to say, though, is this is a good transition. Tyreek can do freakishly fast things. Kareem Hunt can do freakishly strong things. Um Talking with him the last two days just about the the play, of course, that sticks out in everybody's mind. Looks like he's falling down. Uh, it turns out it was actually the guys in front of him that got tackled, and he zips up around that, hurdles, and then bull rushes, and it's just like a combination that is unreal. Um, and talking with him this week, he just talked about, you know, it was crazy for him, almost surreal to watch it back and have his teammates watch it back. You seem like you're really into this. You have some things. No, to I'm say. just thinking. I'm, no. thinking about, I'm thinking about all the things you're thinking about. But if, you know, he's mic'd up on that yes. too, which was fun. Fun to hear after. But one of the, my thoughts on this was it was completely amazing, right? But I was really disappointed when I realized that we just had our view hidden from mm -hmm. how he spun out the first time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Remember, because we we just couldn't see. All of a sudden, he comes out, and I, I I couldn't tell how he came out. Yeah. I mean, but the whole thing. And the, the steps into the hurdle and then carrying eight guys or five guys, whatever. I mean, really, it was five guys. Eleven. It was like the entire team. No, but it was, it, was, it was a lot of them. The urban legend of <laughs> Kareem Hunt. Travis Kelsey is sort of like has been the resident hurdler on this right. team, right? Mm -hmm. And it always seems like he's typical, I think, of most NFL players in this way, that when they hurdle, it's sort of a desperation. I don't know. You, you don't get much out of it. You might get another yard or two. 
but you always get hit because you're in the air and you can't move. And then once you land, you can't move right away. It almost like, it just, always ends poorly. Yes, it, it, it's, a, it's a move to get maybe a yard or two, but you're kind of giving yourself up after that. I just literally cannot remember a hurdle into a bull rush and getting another like, <laughs> 10 yards after you It just doesn't happen. It's freaking insane. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure, like, stuff happens that you just yeah. don't remember, but like, when, who does that? When does that happen? Well, look, I mean, we, we've already seen a bunch of highlight reel stuff out of him, but what, is that not the, the most Kareem Hunt play ever? It's the Seems best like it just one. sums him up. That's yeah. Kareem Hunt in a microcosm. That's yeah. just. I'm sure that Jamal Charles had a run where, I don't know, because Jamal Charles was a tough, tough, tough guy. Like, you, you know, people remember the speed and everything, but that guy was tough. And maybe he did something similar, but it's not coming to mind like that. Yeah. that that's that's a highlight. You know, when, when they show like the ten biggest best highlights of the NFL season. That's yeah, it's got to be on there. Yeah, that's got a chance to be on there. That's it was crazy. Along crazy. with the Mahomes Conley TD. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we know what two it's of them are. It's just gonna be all Chief stuff. <laughs> yeah. um. <laughs> and uh, I think we do also need to point out. You mentioned Kelsey, right? Kelsey's like six five, six six. Hurdling the defensive back. When you get a guy who's under six feet hurdling, that you gotta give him a little more credit. For somebody who's under six yeah. feet, I just wanna say we gotta give him some credit. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we mentioned the the toughness and I you know, I'm I'm working on a story, spoiler alert, about Spencer Ware and, and the game that he had, the best game that he's had to this point um, this season. He had eight carries for a lot of yards, fifty oh, something. Sorry, this I is think. just the took season. No, you're total. fine. Yeah. Um, I'm unprepared. So but but he it's the best game he's had since he's come back from his injury. And I asked Eric Bieniemy, "What does he bring to this offense when you know when he's back, when he's feeling good?" And he just said, "Toughness. That's the biggest thing." And you know, neither nobody's gonna give me the answer that I the, the good quote that I'm looking for when I ask Bieniemy, and then I ask Spencer Ware, "Are Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware the two the toughest running back tandem in the NFL?" Because they hear toughest and they think I'm asking to say that they're the best. That's not the point. But as far as toughness goes, like grit and powering through tackles and powering through these, this adversity, I can't think of another two guys that have the, the toughness, an Ohio toughness, as uh, Blair Kirkhoff told me later, um, that, that, the guy, that these guys have. I mean, yeah, it, when you look at whether it's like pro football focus or any of the others, like, you know, tackles broken, um, tackles avoided is how pro football focus terms it. Uh, Cream Hunt's always in the, you know, number one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. And Spencer Ware is sort of a, a, I don't know if he's stronger, um, kind of a stockier guy. Mm-hmm. He is stockier a little At bit, least, isn't he? Yeah, you know, and, or um, just more, yeah. Like, say some, Saquon Barkley is up there, you know, on that chart. I don't know who his backup is, if he's, you know, a tackle breaker or anything. But, um, I mean, both those guys, like, and th- this was the first game where it was working the way that I think they envisioned it before the season, where, you know, Kareem Hunt is the lead guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Spencer Ware is a very legitimate, could start for a lot of teams, dangerous guy. And, if you, and you know, just uh, testing my math here, but that is 23 carries for 145 yards. Is that right? Um, between the two, 86 plus 59, is that 140? Sure. 145. So 23 yes. for 145 is about. Okay, mental math over um, here. You know, six, seven yards, between six and seven yards of carry. Like, that, that's kind of what. I think they've, they've always been envisioning is, is two guys being able to, you know, Cream Hunt's better in the pass game, I think. Um, although Ware can, you know, he mm-hmm. can catch it. He but, had uh, um, three catches for 30 yeah. yards. And, and that one, the, um, not screen. really a tunnel screen, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, that was a great play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, catch it with his hands, put it put it down real quick and got some extra yards. 
Uh, ball was placed really well too on that. But they're just my point is that they're interchangeable to a certain extent, like complementary with the you know C O M P L E, complementary. You know, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. You yeah. look handsome today, but like uh, you know, you guys compliment each <laughs> yes. other. Yes. You know, um, there's testimony right there that you don't need spell check. <laughs> <laughs> people people think you're just another pretty face. People who read the minutes it's, would uh, disagree. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of volume people there. These emails are like, woo, you had a rough one today. <laughs> I love getting those. Come on, guys. <laughs> so I actually proofread the one this week. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, back to Spencer, we were talking. I talked with him in the locker room for a little bit, and and he said that this is how he always thought the offense would go to. And, and Bienemy said that he's noticed Kareem looks a lot better when Spencer's, when Spencer's in there. He's able to get a break. Yeah. And this it's kind of this well-oiled machine now. It's getting back to where it needed to be. Spencer did say, though, he wanted to make a, it very clear he's not out of shape, but he was really tired after that game. I mean, he hadn't – that was the most he'd played – um, his legs, this this injury, people thought he wasn't going to play again. So it's like a long road back. He's a year and a little bit out from, from that injury. It's a year and a, a couple months. I do believe there's a huge difference between being in shape and being in football shape. Mm-hmm. You know, cardiovascularly, I'm sure Spencer Ware is where he needs to be, but there's you can't replicate just sort of yeah. the hit. And, you know, no. All that no. You know, something you made me – oh, go ahead, Lou. You know, I was going to say, just the the way you exert yourself in the game compared to practice, Uh too, is something you can't replicate. Um, Just – and and I I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I can't substantiate this, but just thinking about – I remember feeling like Kareem Hunt got tired last year. Mm-hmm. Like at, at a he certain point, he wasn't the same point. at the end that he was in the beginning. Yeah, and that. and I, you know, I'm looking at the numbers now. That's my cell phone just dropped <laughs> on the ground. Don't don't worry about that. Uh, 118 carries through seven games, so that's what 15, a little more than 15 to carry, 16. Yeah. Um, I could be totally wrong, but I would bet he had about 30 more carries this time last year. It seemed like they were just. I thought they overloaded him. I think yeah. we thought at the time they were overloading him. Yeah. Um, not just hindsight, and then it, yeah. it did. And who knows what that means, but look, that's, that's a nice advantage of uh, going ahead and wearing Spencer wear out last game and getting him to a point where I think Spencer needs a game where he gets wiped out, mm-hmm. where he's tired, mm-hmm. right, to, to feel like he's fully back. To so. kind of know where, yeah. where his threshold is yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, Jacob asked, who, who would we prefer to have as a backup running back, Spencer Ware or Sharkhandrick West, to be that oh, RB2? I, I don't think it's Where's the guy? Like, I yeah. don't think it's close. Mm-hmm. Last year, I thought Sharkandrick. I love Sharkandrick. Love the guy. Wish they found a spot for him. But um, I, I think there was a time last year, and it turned out he was hurt, right? But he, it looked like he was a step step behind. Mm-hmm. And Sharkandrick is a much better player than he looks like he would be at his size. He's a really good player, but I don't think he's he doesn't have quite the rugged stuff that yeah. that Spencer can do. There's just physically, yeah. I think Spencer Ware can do stuff that Sharkandrick was yeah. incapable of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jacob notes that West is a smarter blocker, but Weir can hold up against some of the big guys. I don't know if you guys agree, know. disagree. I actually think all three of those guys are pretty good um, picking up blitzers, but um, I don't know. Like it, it seemed like, if I remember right, um, Vahe, you might want to double check that. <laughs> I hear you uh, going to say that. <laughs> uh, when, when, when Ware and West, a couple of years ago in camp, were kind of competing for that spot, it seemed like West was supposed to be, you know, like pass catching was, was an advantage that you were supposed to have over work, if I remember right. But I don't know that that really ended up playing out. I think that's right. I think that's how it looked or how, what we thought. And then, but then it turns out Spencer Ware can, can yeah. 
come out of the backfield with the, pretty yeah. well. And um, none of this is Sharkhandrick West is playing right for the Jets or somebody. Did he stay with them? I looked the I other day to see on his on his Twitter. He didn't. He didn't. He still has Chiefs uniform on his Twitter icon. He's a good player. My one point is like he's yeah. between you know, the two of yeah, them. Yeah, he belongs the on the team. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just think Spencer Ware. Like I, I think Spencer Ware. He's a free agent right now. He's a the guy. Way. Like Shark. Okay, so perfect. So Sharkandrick West is a free agent who I think is good enough to be a backup. Spencer Ware is a backup who I think is good enough to be a, a starter. Yeah, that yeah. Makes sense. yeah, yeah, that makes yep. total sense. Um, but let's go over the other side of the ball. We talked about some injuries earlier and, and different guys that um, that are. I feel like I'm my brain shorting out, but different rotations that are happening with some of the injuries that, that are coming in. And Daniel Sorensen, we saw him on the field today in a uniform, in a helmet. He's working back. So the deal with him is it's, what, a three-week trial. He's been designated for return. He's going to practice for about three weeks, and then I'll get a better read on him. That's the understanding I got. Um, so going into week nine. Well... They have the three they weeks. They have the three So they weeks. don't they have don't... to take all the three weeks, but they can take the three right. weeks. Right. So I kind of... And then they can yeah. decide that they're not going to activate them and just leave them on IR. Right. But, I mean, off of just what we've seen so far, I'm not sure how likely that is. It seems like, you know, unless they see something that's a setback that, you know, he mm-hmm. has, I would assume that he's going to be activated at some point. We just don't know yeah. when. It won't be this week. I think that was the no. other thing that Rick said that, you know... It won't be this week. He has this Maybe week. Maybe Cleveland. It could be for Cleveland. I kind of think it'll be Cardinals that he'll be back and playing more. I think he could get a couple snaps in against the Browns, but I think Cardinals is, is good. Broncos, Browns, Cardinals, yes. Rams? Is that yes. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And then bye. Right. Bye so for the Rams. with Sorensen, how, how do we think his return is going to impact that safety rotation? Who's going to be the odd man out? Of course, there's still Eric Berry, who's going to come back at some point, we think. Um, <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. He was out there running on the field today. So he wasn't, you know, in a helmet. Better but he was yesterday. He's, Sorry, you I know. Can't. <laughs> it's automatic. Can't help right. it. But, yeah, who who's the odd guy out here? I don't think they know. That's my short yeah. answer. <laughs> you know, one, one interesting twist on this, and Sam, you're – best qualified to speak to this because I think you diagnosed no really I'm up to a smart aleck I mean, you just are Usually that's a setup. but I mean <laughs> <laughs> um, no but but I mean I think last year one of the things that you know as we looked at the end of the season um, it, it you we sort of thought and, and I, I found myself compelled by your argument that Daniel Sorensen wasn't a good enough player for what they needed mm-hmm. and now he's we're looking at him as kind of the savior yeah. That's a little strong, but I mean, it's... Mm. it's well, it, what I thought happened last year with him is that um, he got exposed not playing next to Eric Berry, and that Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator, did not yeah. do enough to adjust to that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, good point. I thought they were using him in a lot of situations, particularly uh, against the run, where he was just getting either trucked or shoved, yeah. it was like it was just completely ineffective. So I, I think Daniel Sorensen's like an okay player. Um, but I actually think the safeties recently, and look, I don't, I, maybe, you know, this is recency bias, right? Because we're, we're coming off right. of, by far, yeah, yeah. The, the best defensive performance, which came two weeks after, which up to then was the best, right? you know, and look, it was sandwiched around maybe their worst Right, it was, it was. But um, I thought, you know, Ron Parker had the pick six. Uh, I think Lucas has been, you know, uh, a good player for them. I, you know... I don't know. He can be maybe in that rotation and, and get some snaps, but I don't know that he's like 
It's not Eric Berry coming back. I would, no. I would right. definitely push back on savior type things. I think it's more probably I was exaggerating, you know, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean like we're waiting for him to come back. You know, well, you know. I think I think people are just waiting for somebody to come back because right. Eric Berry right. and, you know, right. and a couple of weeks Whoever ago it was just like they were just losing bodies left yeah. and right. Now all of a sudden it's like they have. Like I say, I don't think it's a savior thing. It's more of a they have more. They're gonna have more options potentially because yeah. you know, like talking to Bob Sutton today a little bit after after he was at the podium, um, like Jordan Lucas. Um, was a guy in that last game. Um, we talked about Dorian O'Daniel, but Lucas sort of played that nickel linebacker spot in that game as well. And so, and you saw Eric Murray and him on the field at the same time because now all of a sudden, you know, Murray had missed a game. You had Murray, you had Lucas, who had you know barely played any defensive snaps, got thrown in there with the Jacksonville game, and then you know started that Patriots game. And so now you have, you know, Sorensen potentially coming back and whatever move you have to make for that. You have different guys you can put on the field, and you have more speed, potentially, at least in those passing downs where, you know, whether it's uh, O'Daniel on the field along with Lucas. Because there was, there was times, you know, in that game on Sunday where you saw that. And Sutton even sort of alluded to it. He said, yeah, you could have some growing pains with that because both those guys are basically learning new spots. When you put them out there as nickel linebackers or linebackers in the passing downs, those are two guys, you know, one who wasn't even here uh, until the end of camp, and then the other one who's a rookie who's still learning the defense. Um, but it just gives them a different look, more speed, more athleticism, and different people you can plug in because Sorensen's moving around now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, in some ways there's, you know, maybe you look forward to that because you can do different things, but you don't know how any of it's going to play out and what it's going to, you know, be costing you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. And with Sorensen being one of the two <clears throat> potential players to come back from IR, who do we think the other guy's going to be? Initially, it wasn't weren't they? They were saying it was going to be LDT, right? Right, Initially. but that extra damage so. to the ankle just seems like that's going to yeah. set him back even more. I don't. Boy, and seeing him wheeling around on his thing today right uh, yeah. didn't seem very encouraging. But I, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it could be. We don't be guess, I don't even guess yet. You know? Yeah. I don't know how. How many guys are on IR now? A lot. Like a dozen. Yeah, I'm not. Half I don't think. I don't know if I'm joking. I, it, no, I'm trying to think if I could even. It's it's just a lot. Yeah. Well, they, they may also have to make some decisions based on even if we're not sure that Duvernay Tardif will return. He's a good enough player that we're willing to take a risk. Whereas, you know, um, meaning risk into January. Right, I mean that you want that availability. Yeah, yeah a, that's a, a risk of of not using that spot on somebody. Yeah, else. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because um, I, you know, look, and I think the line was really good mm-hmm. against the Bengals, playing with, you know, what their their seventh lineman now are, are we down to, or is it or is it eight? Well, um, I think they're Morse, on it. Morrison LDT on into their eighth, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Now Wiley, jeez. Um, you know, I, I think the line held up pretty well, so maybe that affects decisions, although it's you know, just one game, so whatever. But, um, yeah, they got some decisions. You know, D'Anthony Thomas. Yeah, that's a long list. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah I kind of forgot about D'Anthony, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but that, considering it, it was a second, like, yeah. second injury to with uh, leg that was broken, had a rod inserted and all that, I don't know if that's one that you 
I mean, I, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I don't, but I just don't know if that's one that you expect to I come know back. How to use but you do have. Yeah. You do have what Sam uh, conferred upon many of us the last few years: Twitter medical degree. That's right. It's, yeah. That's what I've always Twitter, wanted. Twitter, Twitter, you are qualified. Twitter University. Here we are. Uh, it, will, it will be interesting, just because you mentioned how they held up the line, held up against the Bengals, but. Um, that's going to be a, a test this week, though, against yeah. the Broncos. That's going to be interesting there, just because uh, the Bengals, I mean, not that they're not a, a, a good front, but, I mean, but they, good the, front. the Broncos The Broncos got after Pat last game with mm -hmm. the full line in there, yeah. you know, right. so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that'll be interesting to got watch. After him, except for Von Miller didn't do much against uh, the man. No, you got to think that that's uh, taken him off a little bit, mm -hmm. so. We'll see how that develops. Um, before we go, we've had multiple people ask, the trade deadline's coming up. We will, they, somebody mentioned that we wouldn't talk to them until after the trade deadline has passed. That's not the case. We'll be back on Sunday to talk more. But we should at least address the fact, Patrick Peterson, I'd say there's like a 0% zero chance that he's coming to Kansas City. Um, it was already felt like a low chance, but now he's come out and said he's staying with the Cardinals. So he's not coming. Do we think anybody else could be walking through those doors here, or is anybody walking out of the doors? Uh, I, I, um, I have a strong indication that they're not. I mean, something can always happen, develop late, right? But um, as of a day ago, I had a strong indication that they don't see anything happening. Whole lot of nothing. So this could be a really active trade deadline, just not in Kansas City. Yeah. yeah, I'm here yeah. for it. That, by all means, moves, let's keep the drama know, that, out of here. Um, the Snacks Harrison move, you know, that seemed like a low pick to give up. Eli Apple, that seemed like a high pick to give up. Amari Cooper seemed like a high pick to give oh, up. Oh, yeah. Eli Apple, not as much. Yeah, it does, it does seem active. It seems like there's like, I heard some theory, and I don't know if somebody was joking or not. Um, That's but it kind of makes some sense to me that like GMs, and here as well, are young. They're, they're like, the trend is younger GMs across the league. And if these guys have like grown up playing Madden, like, the theory was that they're more likely to make trades because they've like, <laughs> done it their whole life. I don't know if that was a serious theory or not, but it like hit something in my uh, head. I, like, oh, I, I, I thought you were going to say fantasy football, not Madden. But. <laughs> no, either one. The teams are like, it, it seems to me, and maybe I'm completely wrong, maybe the same thing existed 10 years ago, but it seems to me that there's more teams willing to do kind of what the Giants and Raiders are doing right now. Of, of just let's rebuild. stinking yeah yeah let's you know <laughs> stock stock go all in is. on it, it yeah yeah uh, you know let's yeah let's suck now and 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 rebuild for later so two things for you on this point though one is compare and contrast as uh -oh. I as I said back in school how is this different or the same as as the baseball trade deadline and what the Royals were staring at in fourteen and fifteen especially fifteen when when Dayton just went all in and to what degree do you think your intel on this about that they're probably not going to delve into that. It, it, does that repudiate that idea that you're going to, you know, now is the only chance and we got to mortgage the future? I'm, well, I'm overstating the point, but you no, know what I mean. When, when I said what I just said about, like, it seems like teams are more willing to, you know, suck now to be good later, they're kind of catching up to baseball. Like, baseball has gone full in with the, ten, you know, the Houston Astros are the best example, right? Like, I mean, they almost burned that franchise down. And now, yeah, I know they lost in the ALCS, right? But, um, you know, one of the best franchises in baseball now. And that's, they did other things too. Um, but the, I don't think it's that the Chiefs aren't willing to make a trade. They, they were really bummed that, you know, uh, Earl Thomas yeah. broke his leg. Like, they, they were working toward that. They felt confident. 
um, that something was going to get done. And that's not hindsight. I, I was hearing that before. Yeah, Tom yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, broke his leg. Um, so I think they're willing to make a deal. I just think, like, some circumstances have changed. Like, uh, one, they, they wanted to keep those picks anyway. To um, and, and uh, Lynn, I know you've talked about this, too, of, of, you know, getting those picks to get corners and, you know, sort of defensive help next year. Uh, so that they weren't itching to, to, you know, to just get rid of those picks. But, you know, circumstances have changed. Like, Earl Thomas is different. You, you make a move, you know, you, you kind of sacrifice some principles or whatever to get Earl Thomas. Patrick Peterson, had he been available, which he, I don't think he ever was, may have been different because he's got not only is, is an elite talent, but two more years at not a ridiculous price. I think it's two more years on his contract. Um, and, uh, you know, but now... Look, if they think this is real and the safeties have been better, uh, you know, if, if they believe that Jordan Lucas can be a starter, you know, caliber, at least a bridge to Eric Berry, they believe that they're getting close to Eric Berry coming back. Um, you know, they've been winning with what they have now, so why, you know, I, I just think circumstances have changed, I guess. And yeah. I don't, I mean, and, and you mentioned they've been winning with what they have now, and I'm not trying to say that because of that, you know, you should read too much into that. But I also wonder, like, for everybody who's been, like, they got to do this, they got to do that, whether it was Peterson or if it was, um, you know, Earl Thomas. Um, I guess my major question has always been, well, does that move, either one of those, sort of put you over the top for winning the Super Bowl? Yeah. Like, it, it, I mean, because that's, like, seems like that's the, oh, you got to do everything you can to get to the Super Bowl. Like, okay, so does adding Peterson mean that they're, you know, put you in a place where you say, okay, they're definitely getting to a Super Bowl? I mean... I wouldn't think... I mean, it certainly helps, right? Well, yeah, it helps, but I mean, like, I mean, but, but for no, people who point, yeah. talk about, like, giving up and doing whatever you have to do to get this guy, it's like, okay, is that because he's going to make that much of a difference and you're, like, you're in? Or is that just because people want to have something. a big name or they, they feel like they need more than what they have? That's I mean, a lot of it, I think. Like, people just want something, Right. Um, but, but you can't run a, you can't run a team like that. And to go get some out of your closet, <laughs> yeah, you know. But, I mean, but you can't run <laughs> you can't run a team like that, though. Can you? I mean, right? Totally. Yeah. So it's just like you know. And that's why yeah, I'm not a GM. Although I trotted this thing out today. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, sometimes. Well, in the case of Eric Berry, that's like you're bringing your winter clothes out and mixing them in with your summer wardrobe. Like you've got to study a steady rotation. Do this? I didn't discover this till I got married. That you have you put away your winter clothes. Yeah, they put away Eric Berry, and now they're going to bring him back out. Yeah. I live. The woman who does this, yes. <laughs> all right. You know what my fiance did last night? We FaceTimed for an hour while he went through our closet in Oklahoma City and pulled out all the clothes he's bringing me this weekend. My winter, my winter reinforcements are on the way. All right. So that's, but that's the way that I look at this trade deadline. It's it's weird, but that makes it. Yeah, Eric Berry's my winter coat. Okay. It is really appealing to want to go out and buy a new like Burberry jacket, but it's really expensive. And it will probably make me warmer, but I'll be warm without it anyway with my Eric Berry jacket. Well, see, there you go. You be warm without it. Yeah. The Chiefs will be warm without the new one. Yeah, the Chiefs can make it to the Super Bowl. It's a decision that they've made. Like the sleeve might fall off. So instead of a... Sometimes you have to sew it up and put a patch on it. What I like here is that the choice is between Berry and Burberry. Which one is it? I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I was thinking more... Sydney Ricker had a Burberry jacket that was really pretty that I saw outside today because it was cold. So that's what that's where my mind went. Um, but we're not here to talk about brands of jackets. Oh yes, um, we are. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we, starting, I'm starting to suspect you're just going to start taking things from her wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the next step. Um, we have been on for an hour today, which is amazing. 
Um, but y'all probably have things to do at your jobs. We have things to do at our jobs. So I think that we need to make a prediction, wrap this up, and then start transcribing as much as we all love to do that. Um, Sam's staring at me like he wants to kill me right now. So we're not going to go with <laughs> Sam's prediction first. Vahe, what oh, do you think is going to happen this weekend? You would just look so nice. I always go with 38 <laughs> on the Chiefs. I see no reason not That's to. A good number. Maybe 31. Okay, I'll just. 38. Chiefs, uh, 21 Broncos. Okay. Lynn, what you got? Uh, let's see. Based off of the last time they played, I'm not going to go as high as 38. I'll go 28-24, another tight game, and that's Chiefs winning. Sam, is the, are the Broncos frauds? No, I don't think that's <laughs> By the way, did you mean for me to say that on, on Facebook Live last week? You I let really, me off the hook. <laughs> I don't know that I really thought about it like, yeah. that much. Uh, I, stand by, I stand by my report. And, well, it played out pretty well, yeah. mind you. Uh, yeah, what, what's the line on this game? Is it like a, a touchdown? I thought um, Chiefs were 10-point favorites yeah. last time I saw I'd say like 35-23 seems about. Although, I don't Case Keenum's in some trouble. I don't know, 35-23, screw it, sure. Okay, I'm going Chiefs 30, Broncos 21. It was a lower-scoring game last time they played. Broncos the only team to hold the Chiefs under 30. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do we think that there's going to be a left-handed pass completed in this game? No, I don't, because he's shown no his true colors. He's only he's missed the other one. Yeah, that one looked bad. He's got to work on that. You know, the option, <laughs> forward option pass. Yeah. Wasn't going. Case Keenum may throw a pass that looks like it's left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cold. Well, on that Stone cold roast, wind. it just killed him. Do they have a backup now? Uh, 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 Kevin you, Hogan. You, you, you. <laughs> oh, old friend. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> <Kevin> <laughs> Hogan is back. Yeah. Uh, Chad Kelly, who Jacob wants to know really quickly, uh, did we think of Kelly as having a chance of being the future quarterback star of Denver? I don't know that I go quarterback star, but uh, I talked with Kyle Fredrickson, which will be on the second half of the podcast when we post it um, later this week. Case Keenum's seat was kind of getting a little warm. He wasn't doing anything spectacular. Chad Kelly had had uh, a pretty good preseason, good enough that they felt like they could release Paxton Lynch, who did not. Um, and now that seat's real cold because you don't feel good about taking the job away from Case Keenum to give it to... Yeah. Kevin Hogan. But did, did saw, you? Oh, go ahead. Well, I just I saw some some Twitter speculation, which is my favorite kind, uh, wondering if Swag Kelly was the first man to ever be kicked off his high school, college, <laughs> and NFL team. It's pretty impressive. That is, that's that's a hat trick that you. Work. Oh gosh. Like, what bonus do you win for doing that? Did okay. I hear you asking Rehab? somebody today or bringing this up, uh, Brooke? That it, did. Mm -hmm. And I missed it. I'm, I if it if it actually happened, but did, did has Elway declared this a must win game? Did somebody say that? <laughs> somebody said that, but I don't know who said that. Yeah, uh, it wasn't me. Okay. But wouldn't every game be a must win game if you're the Broncos? Yeah. I mean, well, especially when you look. I just at don't the know if you would say it out loud, and, and I don't know who said it. So sorry, I, mean, I attributed that to you. Uh, well, a week ago, Von Miller said that they needed to kick the ass of the Cardinals. The Cardinals. Asses. Huh. Yeah, but that's the similar. Cardinals. You can say that before you put the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fair. And then they did. I was thinking the Marv Levy line. The only, the only must win was World War II. You know what? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's, Marv Levy. Yeah. Hall of Famer, former chief. Did you get to know him? No. No. 
I've talked to him on the phone like twice. Yeah. Pleasant guy. Yeah. Brainiac. Yeah. Seems like he's got some good one-liners. Wrote a song about the Buffalo Bills. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you look up Marv Levy and <laughs> and <song. laughs> We have that look on. He's, he's, he <laughs> sings great. it. That's great. Yeah, I didn't know that. it's worth it. Okay. <laughs> just like, uh, <laughs> sorry, just like looking up. For some reason this morning, I woke up looking up uh, Bill Murray, Nick the Lounge singer, singing Star Wars. It has carried my day. I urge anybody that's never seen it to, to look that up. Is, is that what you were humming when you came into the, the work Star Wars, <laughs> those near and far wars. Don't ever let them end. I'm, I'm mangling the words a little bit, but near and far wars. Sorry, I, I know we're trying to go. Any, they're trying anybody to go. else want to sing? Look, they're going karaoke? fast yeah, now. We're down to 37. Oh, 38. Back to 38. Oh. They really want you to keep you singing. Um, all right. Well, everyone, that's it from, for us from Arrowhead. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. It's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at kansascity.com slash sportspass. Welcome back to Sports Beat KC. I'm Chiefs Beat writer Brooke Pryor, and on the Skype hotline we have Denver Broncos writer from the Denver Post, Kyle Fredrickson. Kyle, how are things going in Denver right now? Um, you know, uh, I wouldn't say swimmingly. It's It's been a strange sort of 24 hours. Uh, for those of you in Kansas City who've been paying attention, uh, back quarterback Chad Kelly uh, with a very strange arrest, uh, kind of a, a, a situation where you wonder <clears throat> what ha- what's happening late night um, after a player's gathering. Uh, and as soon as this morning, the Broncos decided to, to cut ties with Shelley's, Kelly. So a lot to analyze here. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, trying times for an organization um, that could use a little bit of positivity uh, to trying to climb out of an early hole this season. Yeah, no kidding. Well, yesterday we were trying to schedule this podcast, and that's when news of, what was it, what came first? It feels like a chicken or the egg question, but what came first? The the cocaine-themed party that was not actually cocaine-themed or the news of Chad Kelly's arrest? How did that shake out? Well, I, th- I think the arrest is, is what was first reported, and and that was something that was <clears throat> given down to a couple of reporters down here, uh, the Inglewood PD providing a, an affidavit uh, that described Kelly in the moments leading up to his arrest. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Sort of an odd storyline uh, that sort of got that day started was a TMZ report that I think came out maybe shortly after that or right about the same time. Um, that did show some Instagram videos of a couple Broncos players impersonating characters uh, who are well known for their drug habits. Uh, so, you know, I think if you look at that at face value uh, and you kind of run with that as your headline, that's that's clearly kind of what shook out. Um, but as you mentioned, not the case. This wasn't some kind of drug-themed party. This was just a, a couple players uh, <laughs> deciding to, to bring up Bobby Brown um, and uh, Tyrone Bigham, a, a couple characters uh, who showed up on Chappelle's show uh, for our listeners out there. Uh, some classic guys, some hilarious uh, characters. So I've got no problem with it. I don't think the Broncos have any problem with it. 
Um, but it was just kind of another black eye, which was just a, a very strange day yesterday for this team. Well, I thought the weird thing, too, is on the same night that – who was – which one of them dressed up as Tyrone Biggums was it? Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had, had the, the Tyrone costume with the beanie, the, the, the white mustache, the whole nine yards. Right. Shirt. So while Emmanuel's dressed up as him at this party, Mo Harkness shows up to his game in the same costume. And I noticed that. Right? NBA Twitter and NBA people think it's hilarious. They are all about it. Same costume in the NFL just adds to this. I mean, the NFL is just so much, so full of drama that yeah. it becomes a much bigger deal and placed in the context of the party. But, you know, you can show up to your place of work in the costume and it's not a big deal. So... Right, right. No, it, it was kind of a strange deal. It was a Western-themed party. It was a, a party that Von Miller throws every year for pro athletes across Denver um, and the support staff for these teams and their families to kind of gather, you know, nothing team-related, nothing on the clock, just trying to get uh, some of these folks connected in, in this community who, who share sort of the same uh, professional goals and, and lifestyles. And, and so, yeah, on, on that sense, there's there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but, you know, we mentioned earlier some of the timing with Kelly getting arrested. I think maybe that maybe set tone for what had happened that night uh, that maybe put it in a negative light. And then maybe this is just people piling on. So I know there was even a couple Broncos players who came to their defense on Twitter after that, um, including the players who, who were dressed up as those characters. Um, so I think in terms of that situation, I imagine it'll, it'll blow over. But certainly after what happened with Kelly, um, you know, moving forward with this party, people are going to be on their P's and Q's and, and then act in the right way because uh, the Broncos have got to avoid another situation like this, if only to just eliminate uh, some costly distractions when, when they've got to be focused for a, a real talented Chiefs team on Sunday. Exactly. Well, and, and as we are recording this, more news is coming out about Chad Kelly and some of the details around his arrest. And for people who want the quick and dirty version, he – what – left this party, wandered into a neighbor's house, um, sat down on their couch, was beaten with an aluminum vacuum attachment. <laughs> right. Exited. And by the way, he enters wearing a cowboy costume, which is just my favorite part of all this. Um, <laughs> they call the cops. They're able to quickly identify him. He's sitting in, in his car close by. He's arrested on, what, suspicion of criminal trespassing? Yeah, that's yeah, that's be the official charge there. Right. And so James Palmer uh, with NFL Network just reported that prior to the arrest, Kelly was involved in physical altercations with a guest at Von Miller's party and hired secure and hired and with hired security while being escorted out. So it's really not what you want, especially it feels like when when I was preparing this podcast and what we were going to talk about, um one of the things that jumped out to me was it felt like this was a team that was kind of at a turning point after this big win against the Cardinals, uh, three-point loss to the Rams that in a game that seemed winnable for the Broncos. They seemed like they were finally getting some momentum. How much does it feel like this whole situation kind of knocks some of that back? It's hard to say at this point. You know, keeping it in perspective, if this was a you know, second string offensive linemen, you know, th there wouldn't be a whole lot of buzz. There wouldn't be probably as many reporters um, showing up to the courthouse as there was for Chad this morning. Um, you know, he's a backup who's taken one snap in a game this season, and that was against the Rams where he took a kneel down. So in terms of like 
what this does to the chemistry of the team. I don't know if it's a real big issue. Um, if anything, it's just sort of the overall distraction that something like this provides. You know, Chad was a guy who came into this program, you know, with a laundry list of, of issues that preceded him, uh, you know, going back to his college days, pre old Miss disciplinary issues, um, you know, a lot of stuff that was well documented, you know, back in, you know, 2010 um, and kind of around that time frame. Uh, but since then, he's been sort of a model citizen for these Broncos. He showed up to a lot of their community service events. We hadn't really heard about any issues that he had off the field. Of course, now this sort of uh, prompts us to take a deeper look into maybe what some of those things were, if, if there were additional problems that Kelly faced. Um, but you wonder sort of how that maybe travels with a guy and how that maybe continues to label Kelly, uh, which is unfortunate for him being a young player. If this ends up being something that keeps him from getting another opportunity, being that he hasn't really had any experience in regular season games whatsoever. So, you know, it's, it's sort of a two edged thing. I think for the Broncos, if this is a mature team with good leadership, this shouldn't be any sort of impact on Sunday. But if this is a Broncos team, that is struggling with some leaders and guys putting guys in the right positions and making guys uh, accountable for their actions, then who knows? Maybe that's a, a microcosm of a bigger problem that this team has. But, you know, in terms of their preparation for the Chiefs, it shouldn't be an issue. Um, you know, you just sort of wonder uh, what the future is going to be for Chad, being that, uh, you know, like I said, his, his experience is limited. He has a couple black marks on his record, um, you know, and even though it's, it's easy to sort of joke and laugh about this story, uh, being that it seems like it's a guy who's stumbling drunk and it opens the wrong door, um, you wonder what would have happened if, if the, the residents of that, that building uh, would have had a weapon on them. You know, there's there's laws that protect people, uh, you know, from from ha protecting their property and, and their livelihood uh, when stuff like that happens. So there's a whole, you know, wealth of issues that could have gone even worse for Chad. Uh, you hope that if he has problems, though, that, that the Broncos can at least help him get uh, – uh, access to, to help for those things. Elway mentioned that in, in their release today when they talked about waving Kelly. Um, but certainly uh, the, the sort of drama that this team would just really love to avoid uh, if they actually want to have a legitimate shot of making the playoffs. Right. Well, and so now Chad Kelly's gone. Kevin Hogan, the new number two, he's the Chiefs draft pick in 2016, I believe. Uh, fifth round guy, drafted, and then released in September he could have been one of the reasons why John Dorsey ended up departing this team, ended up being fired, uh, because it was just kind of a strange decision. Um, and now he's the number two. Case Keenum, obviously still a starting quarterback, but was there any thought, I mean, I don't, I don't know that, that benching Case Keenum was necessarily in the cards, but how stable has he been? Has he looked any better than earlier in the season? Where Where is he kind of at right now? Well, his seat is about, I'd say, 70% cooler than it was before, <laughs> just being that now the Broncos have a guy who's a backup who just got in the system. Kevin Hogan fits the mold of, of sort of Keenum and, uh, you know, the, just that uh, solid pocket passer isn't going to wow you with athleticism but can make plays outside the pocket. So if they were to hand the keys to Hogan, um, I think they'd feel comfortable with him at least just running the base offense at this point. Um, who knows to, to what efficiency. Um, but in terms of case, it's continued to be a mixed bag. He's got nine interceptions on the year, um, which has eclipsed his total from last season. He was able to be a little bit more productive through the air in this game against the Cardinals, albeit against a, a defense that now has, you know, their best corner, Patrick uh, Peterson, uh, calling for uh, a trade at this point. So you, that shows you just how poorly that defense was gelling um, up into that point. So you take that with a grain of salt, but for Keenum, He's been solid enough to keep the pressure off from saying, hey, you know, we've got to bench this guy. 
But in preseason with this Broncos team, there's a lot of chatter about maybe bringing in a, a Matt Moore from Miami or, or another veteran backup um, just to sort of bring some help into that room when, when Paxton Lynch did leave. Um, if the Broncos had done that, I think there'd be, they'd be clamoring to start more at this point. Uh, just being that Keenum hasn't been as advertised. But the good news for Keenum is that the Broncos have issues across their roster that sort of have given him a pass, I think, to Mm -hmm. a certain extent. Uh, So all that in kind of summation, the Broncos would love to have better quarterback play. They they know they don't have that on the roster right now, and they do like the leadership that Keenum's brought. And and if they do end up responding from this Arizona game uh, and going on a bit of a run, uh, that'll certainly validate a lot of that stuff. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, but like I mentioned previously, uh, not having Chad Kelly on this team is just a really another lock uh, in Keenum's job security, probably no matter how poorly he plays over the next few weeks. Gotcha. Well, and you mentioned they could bring in another veteran backup quarterback, but could anybody be exiting this Broncos team? I know Demarius Thomas, there, it seems like there's been some chatter. Do you expect him to be still be with the team on Sunday when they get here to, to play the Chiefs? Yeah, you know, I would expect him to be, I think, in an ideal situation. The Broncos would like to move him and, and try to bolster their roster um, in other areas with either picks or, or another player. Uh, parts of need that exceed receiver being how deep the Broncos are at that position. And it's not that Demarius has been terrible. He, he struggled with some drops, but that's been something that's played the last few years of his career. It's just that they drafted a, a receiver in Corton Sutton in the second round who needs to be showcased more. And at this stage in his career, if the Broncos want to get any kind of value for DT as, as he continues uh, in the league, I believe he's in his ninth season at this point. Uh, this is the time to move him when he's, he still holds some value to some teams. He's a veteran leader uh, who still puts up big numbers. I think he's on pace uh, to have a 70-catch season if, if things continue this way. So the Broncos have targeted him. Uh, but if there's any player who's, I think, most vulnerable to leaving by that October 30 deadline, uh, it's probably uh, Demarius Thomas. I think there's other guys, maybe Brandon Marshall at, at inside linebacker, another player who, who maybe could – be moved just with some of the issues the Broncos have had uh, defending the run and, and with the play of their inside backers. Um, but we'll see. I, I don't know. They're, I don't know that the Broncos are in total selling mode at this point. Um, you know, I don't know what the value is for DT in an open market and how many teams would look at him, uh, but they've got to be listening to some offers at this point. Right. And Well, the Chiefs last saw the Broncos 23 days ago. It'll be less than a month when they play on Sunday, how different is this team than the one that the Chiefs played on that Monday night game in Denver right now? You know, it's interesting. I think that, of course, was a loss for the Broncos, but they came away thinking, hey, we, we held one of the elite offenses you know, in the league to, to pretty little production compared to some of the numbers the Chiefs had put up in other games. So they do have confidence in that. But the problem was after that game, uh, this defense got carved up um, by the Jets uh, by Baltimore, um, and as well, uh, most recently by the Rams and, and Todd Gurley. They, they got gouged defensively on the ground rushing. Um, so if the Chiefs look at that and they see how the Broncos have defended the run, you know, save this Cardinals performance against a bad Arizona team, uh, they got to be licking their chops and thinking they can do some of the same things that, that, that Gurley did and, and as well that Isaiah Crowell did uh, in New York. So the Broncos still have their issues. They've shown flashes of, of – the potential team we thought they could be in preseason, especially against the Cardinals. Uh, they scored 45 points. They had two pick sixes. 
just generating points in a lot of different ways and, and being very active on both sides of the ball, uh, allowing Bradley Chubb and, and Vaughn Miller to, to rush late in the game in third down situations was, was critical uh, for the Broncos to extend that lead and to hold off any kind of Arizona comeback. So the pieces are there for this team to be good, but whether or not they can put it together against quality competition uh, has really yet to be seen, and, and that's reflected in their record. So, you know, they've only won uh, now one road game, I think, in the last 12 or, or 13 tries with this win in Arizona. Uh, they got to go to a whole different environment in Kansas City uh, where they are not going to be uh, so friendly as they were in the desert. It was almost a mostly Broncos crowd. <laughs> Uh, when they won last time around. So so a huge challenge for this team, and, and understandably why uh, they're the underdog. You mentioned Bradley Chubb. He was the NFL Rookie of the Week recently, I believe. Um, maybe, was it off of the Arizona game? Um, it was, yes, yeah. How much has he developed? I mean, we saw him a month ago. He looked like he was coming on. He and Von Miller together, both pretty effective. Um, how much has he developed in the last month since the Chiefs last saw him? Um, he's definitely took some, some steps forward. He, he leads all rookies right now with, I think, six and a half sacks, which is pretty impressive, uh, you know, going into week eight of your first NFL season. Um, he's in the most ideal position a rookie edge rusher could be on the opposite side of Von Miller, uh, being the sort of crowd that, that Miller draws on every play. So he's benefited from that, and I think some of these uh, sack totals we've seen from him um, have, have certainly been on sets when Miller is on the field at the same time. Um, but at that token, you know, he, he's definitely proven to be a very disruptive edge rusher, and, and he belongs you know, very high in this rotation of a, of a very deep group of, of edge rushers. This Broncos team is really predicated on its ability to get after the quarterback. They haven't been able to do that in some games. Uh, just when the score is dictated that teams can sort of just throw the quick passing game and, and avoid it altogether. Uh, but yeah, so for, for Chubb to, to be at this stage in his career and to be this productive, the Broncos are very happy with it. Um, you know, the, the break was, was, was key for him. I talked to him just a few days ago about sort of the transition from college to the NFL and how sore his body is. And, and admittedly, he said he's, he's more sore than he had been. Uh, playing against some serious competition. Uh, but with them playing that game on Thursday night and having the 10-day break, I think that's really big for this defense, especially for guys like Chubb. Well, in mentioning the defense, um, after, well, in the game, Patrick Mahomes throws a left-handed pass. You have defensive backs that are having to get IVs on the sideline because they're chasing him around so often and the receivers around. What do you feel like the, the Broncos defense learned after taking on Patrick Mahomes the first time that they can use in this meeting? Right. I think more than anything, it's just the experience of defending all that. Everything you mentioned, the IVs going back and forth, feeling like, uh, you know, every snap their their eyes are, are moving a hundred directions. You know, there's there's no secret recipe to slowing that guy down, but with the, what the Broncos did and enabling to limit him uh, to at least the scoring production that they did. Um, you know, that I think they feel pretty good about the spot that they're in. And then the secondary especially performed much better um, in this last game against Arizona. Bradley Roby was sort of the dog of this, this locker room in some ways uh, with how he'd gotten beat on so many deep balls and going against this Chiefs offense. Um, that's always a concern. But he really stiffened up this last game at Arizona, uh, three pass breakups and an interception. So, you know, when, when you're sort of your weakest link in the secondary has that sort of performance, uh, I think it does lift the, the play of the entire group. Um, but the Broncos are, are like every defense. They're, they're, they're sort of just kind of hoping and, 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 and guessing at times with defending this Chiefs offense and, and hoping they're right, uh, but more often than not being wrong, uh, and, and, and we've seen the results. 
Going back over to the offensive side, the uh, running back duo, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, just absolutely destroyed the Chiefs the first time they met, um, particularly Royce Freeman. The, together, they had 136 yards, were averaging 6.8 yards per carry, had two touchdowns. Royce Freeman, though, sprained his ankle against the Cardinals, and it looks like if he can't go, it would be Devontae Booker. How much of is that a concern that he won't be able to go, and how different is their offense if it's Devontae Booker back there instead of Royce Freeman? Uh, it's a huge loss. The, the Broncos don't have anything to sort of replicate what exactly Freeman brings, which is a real big-bodied player who has breakaway speed and, and is one of the, I think, the league's leader in, in yards after contact this season. Uh, not to say that Philip Lindsay hasn't been equally impressive and really has displayed a lot of the same running techniques. We've been surprised with how effective Lindsay has been running between the tackles, which is shocking for a 5'8", I think 190 guy, uh, to be able to do that with success, you know, kind of hiding behind his own offensive linemen and, and creating some of those seams. Uh, so it's it's not the, the hugest drop-off in the world for Devontae Booker. He essentially serves the Philip Lindsay role with a little bit less running. You know, he might be a guy who gets more touches uh, in the flat as a receiver, um, you know, maybe a guy who sneaks out on a wheel route, kind of a delay to, to give Keenum a, a safety valve if, if things aren't going right immediately on a play. Uh, so, yeah, the, there's some concern there for the Broncos, especially with how effective Freeman has been. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get an, up, an update on his status for the game today. Uh, but being that the Broncos had that break and he's still listed his day-to-day with the ankle, it shows just sort of the severity of it. Uh, you know, thank goodness for the Broncos. They had that extra time, but even if it's not enough, uh, they do feel pretty good about what Lindsey can do. Uh, and of course, he was a workhorse at CU, led the nation in carries last season as a senior. Um, so he's no stranger to, to carrying at 20 plus if, if he's asked to. And there could be a chance he does, uh, you know, especially if the Broncos are in it late uh, and don't have to completely abandon the run uh, like they have in, in some of these games uh, against some quality opponents. Are there any other injuries that the that could be really impactful for the Broncos or that, or that could be the biggest issue for them going into this game? Uh, Darian Stewart is a, is a safety who, who's dealing with a neck injury, and I don't imagine him being back uh, for this game. Uh, the Broncos do have depth at, in their secondary, uh, so they feel like they can roll that over pretty easily. Deshaun Hamilton's another receiver uh, who has a knee injury who had been returning punts, uh, but the Broncos do expect uh, that role to be filled by Adam Jones. Uh, a cornerback who's missed a couple games now with a hamstring. Uh, he's expected to be to be back and, and to be a returner in his career, uh, a role that he's been prolific at. And at times, uh, Jones, though, did turn turn a 35 this month. So we'll see if, if age maybe has an impact on his production. Uh, but overall, the Broncos feel pretty healthy. They've, they've got a few guys nicked up. Uh, but Freeman clearly uh, being the starting running back and, and him being day-to-day, uh, that kind of brings the most attention on this injury report for sure. Well, the Chiefs are 10-point favorites for the noon game on Sunday. Kyle, what is your prediction for how this game's going to go? Well, we were totally wrong, if you remember, Brooke, last time. <laughs> we were we, really uh, wrong. We were so smart. Us former college football reporters thought we knew exactly what was going to happen. It was a Big 12 <laughs> score. And and we were totally, totally incorrect. So, you know, I'm not going to say that it's going to flip back that way. I do think we'll see more points uh, than what we saw in the first meeting between these two teams. Uh, I see it shaking out something like 35 to 27. I think it's a little bit closer. Another game where the Broncos uh, prove that their defense isn't terrible. They just don't maybe necessarily have a playmaker like Mahomes on offense to get them over the edge to, to beat a team like the Chiefs. 
Um, so for this Broncos team, another showcase that they're not the class of the AFC West this year. Uh, but, you know, if, if they continue to play and, and fight through some, some injuries and, and get on a hot streak, who knows? I think the wild card could still be at play. Uh, but boy, they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, well, I I'm with you that it's gonna. I think that this game's gonna be have a couple more points scored than the Monday night game. Um, I think that a lot of that, you know, in the first half, especially Patrick Mahomes looked really rattled um, coming out in that game. You could tell he kind of looked uncomfortable. It was his first primetime performance, and he's looked a lot more comfortable in those big moments at Arrowhead Stadium. So. I do, though, think that this Broncos defense could cause him some problems. Seeing him the second time around, I think with Bradley Chubb developing more and he and Von Miller playing really well right now, I have the Chiefs winning 30-21. to I've picked the Chiefs scoring 38 points like the last three weeks, so I'm going to change it up. <laughs> I'm sure they'll still end up scoring 38 or higher, right. but, you know, I felt like I needed some variety in my scoring. Um, hey, I, I, get, I get it. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, uh, I'm learning these NFL predictions can be a little tricky. Yeah, well, and I, sometimes I just pick numbers and then realize that it means that I think that there's going to be like seven field goals in a game. <laughs> so right. math is not a strong suit. I was told there would be no math in someone line. Right, right. That exactly. I'm feeling the same way. <laughs> and Kyle, you're getting here this weekend. Do you have a barbecue place that you've already circled that you want to go to? Well, I I don't know. I'm sort of battling with the authenticity versus taste. I I've been to Kansas City a few times before. Uh, a couple of Big Twelve basketball tournaments in college, a few KU and, and Kansas State games <clears throat> as well. As well. Um, but I don't know. For probably Arthur Bryant's, and, and then we'll see from there. I, I don't know if I want to double dip uh, and, and, and eat my weight in, in barbecue while I'm there. But I, maybe, maybe I should try. So if you guys split it, you need to go to Arthur Bryant's and then go to Garozo's for dinner, where I'm sure Barry Trammell and Joe Castiglione uh, yes. will show up. And that way you get the full spectrum of Kansas City food. That is true. I could go for some Italian. I, uh, the, the, the cannolis are also pretty tasty, i got to say. That's true. Actually, I had Garozo's last night because we have folks in town for the Big 12 Media Day. <coughs> Met up with a couple, had chicken spaghetti. Oh, it was wonderful. And now I'm still <laughs> full. So, well, I'm, I'm very glad that Kansas City is treating you well, bro. It is wonderful. The food is amazing. Um, well, <laughs> Kyle, where can people follow your work if they want to keep tabs on the Broncos this week? Um, yeah, check out all of our stuff at denverpost.com. We'll also um, have a couple podcasts dropping this week. We call it The First in Orange. It's me and my B partner, Ryan O'Halloran. Uh, so you guys want to get a little insight on the Broncos, uh, see what they got going on here post-Chad Kelly. I'm sure we'll have a little bit more analysis on him later today with all those shenanigans going on. Uh, and, of course, on Twitter as well, uh, at Kyle Fredrickson. So, uh, yeah, definitely appreciate you having me on, Brooke, and, and looking forward to the game. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on and of course if you guys want to follow my stuff i'm on twitter at be prior online at kansascity.com on the red zone app on facebook on facebook live you name it you can find us um and so thanks so much for listening i will be back on sunday to wrap up whatever happens in this chiefs broncos game